Hello, cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 315 of Cyclocross Radio. On this show, we're talking about Arentals and also the World Cup at Namor, uh, plus, I don't know, other things that pop up like groupings of riders and what animals they may be. Yeah, we talked about that stuff. Anyway, this uh, episode is brought to you by the Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network. That's what Cyclocross Radio is a part of. I would love you for you, if you listen regularly, to also be a part of the podcast network. There are some great shows on there like the Slow Ride Podcast, Nowhere Fast, Criterium Nation, Grodio. We're recording a new Grodio episode tomorrow with Amanda. We're going to talk about the Lifetime Grand Prix. So that, uh, (laughs) surprise, Uh, (laughs) just about uh, what's happening with that series for next year. And to continue doing this, to continue to bring you independent cycling media, we need your help. So go to wideanglepodium.com, become a member, contribute to one, two, all of the shows, whatever you want to select, and uh, help us continue to do what we do. Starting to run out of t-shirts over there at cxhairsdistro.com. I'm, go to that site anyway in the next couple days. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start expanding that. It's almost the new home of cxhairs.com. I may even just port over what was on the old site that is kind of falling apart at this point. It's, it's hard. It's like, it's like you, you get, you make that decision, you know, when you're in a house, if you, if you want to do a, a huge remodel, or if you just want to buy a new house, I, I think I'm at the point where I'm buying a new house. So cxhairsdistro.com, eventually cxhairs.com may also go to that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about possibly doing, doing some blog stuff over there as well. But the main part of that site is the store. We've got all of my t-shirts out there. It's starting to run out of sizes. There's no uh, green cyclocross weather medium shirts left. So uh, if you're looking for a size and you've been putting it off, uh, get that to me. I'm, I'm home for the next six days. I'll, I'll mail it out right away. I promise. I'll add some stickers. It'll be cool. Uh, I think that's about it. Um, the, the bulletin. You know, we talk about the bulletin a lot. We talk about the Slack channel. That's part of the bulletin. That Slack channel is just for paid subscribers to the bulletin. Go to cxhairs.substack.com. Sign up. You can get all of the reporting. You can get Lee Waldman's columns. You can get Ethan Glading's big pictures. He's on the ground in Europe taking photos of most of these races. And, uh post galleries only to the CX Hairs bulletin. So well worth your time, cxhairs.substack.com. All right. It's episode 315 of Cyclocross Radio. We got Michael and Zach in the media pit. We're talking about Arentals and Namor, and we're doing that and a whole lot more right now we are back in the media pit i i don't know do we have an official name for this is like a phase two of the of the season what do we what do we what do we call this when we basically leave north america and move uh everything over to your period 
that it's also what happens after curse period. But also what, what happened last weekend. Yeah, true. You're right. Uh, I, I mean, we've had this national, issue, with, but but this is the thing. We're starting this podcast covers last weekend. No, I meant I meant yesterday. I meant like this recent weekend. Sorry, I meant the most recent weekend after nationals. Yeah, we have. Uh, but I just we've been dealing with this issue of like creeping curse period, where curse period used to be the oh, period are you between saying, Christmas part and, of it, Christmas and New Year's, and now it's right. like before Christmas, and it goes to the week after Christmas. So like. Is Bodie proposing further yeah. creeping curse period? He's just like, you know what? It all looks like cur- – you know what? Until it is February and it is swex season, you're I like, mean, it all looks, period XL. all looks the same. I went to the mall in October and they already had their cursed period. Uh, God, what's the word yeah, I'm I looking mean- for? Decorations up. Man, that would have been much better if I could actually strung two words together like – Think about it. I mean, who's actually working this week? Everybody's checked out. Everybody's planning for the holidays. Like, no one's, like, paying attention. We're, we're focused on this most amazing time coming up where we have we have eight races in 10 days. We have 11 in 15 days. So this weekend was the aperitif, Zach. It was sort of the – it was this the opening stocking stuffer. Um, to get us ready to get our appetites whetted for this brilliant four phases. Can we go four phases? All right. What are North your phases? America, North America, cursed period. I guess like Europe up until worlds and then post worlds. That third one needs a fancier name. As long as the fourth one is called just swag. I think. It's a phase. Space. We've discussed it before. Swec. Yes. <laughs> or, or like Sweck season. I like Sweck season. I am okay with these phases as long as we call February Sweck season. You know, we, I think we've actually had like five. I think I think there was sort of the initial, there was the preseason, which was when you used to have the races in Europe. And then we had the American World Cup sector. And then you had the, the, the USCX. And then you had middle of like Europe stuff. Yeah, I, so I think there's could be six. So we should just call them stages, and this is like the cyclocross grand tour, right? Is this is that okay? It's not a cyclocross stage race. I know that's something completely different. This is the cyclocross grand tour. What do you? What these are the different stages? But I guess more than stages would just be one. I'm, I'm back to phases. Which is, we're working this out on the floor. You know we're is? brainstorming. It's a whiteboard. Board. There's there are no bad answers. It's a cyclocross season. That's what it is. So a season within a season? No, I'm just saying that you all these 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 phases are all part of the season. Yes. No, no, no. It's a season. Okay. Oh yeah. God. I I don't I don't know what a we're season. calling these sectors. <laughs> My brain <laughs> hurts. Call them. We had two races really to that i think that we're gonna talk about the most here we had uh namor and we also had erentals uh if we have time left after that then we also can uh, do, uh sort of um tie up some loose ends from from nationals and our nationals discussion from last week uh but boy um a lot, a lot to take in here. I we 
we talked about these races pretty animated for like 15 minutes before we started recording. And I, I, I still feel like we haven't touched on a lot or we're going to miss something. Herentals, the, the home race of Wout Van Aert. Do you think he was there watching? Do you think he showed up? think his family showed up? I hope so. I hope, I hope he stopped by. Doesn't he, doesn't he live like a hundred feet from the start line? It, it, it seems like every year it gets closer. I feel like Wout five years ago, maybe, but I feel like Wout in the prime of his career. I mean, you know, Wout's entered like, right. I'm not, I'm not a business or not. I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man phase of his career. So I highly doubt it. Or, or, or the other way, do you think he's like at home a thousand meters away or whatever it is? I'm just going to keep changing the distances and the, um, uh, just like sitting Sitting down on the couch, feeding the kid, watching some football. I think Wout shows yes. up. He rolls over there just to kind of put a little fear in people's minds. He rolls in the kit. He's got his, like, warm-up suit on. He's like, hey, what's up, everybody? Like, yeah, yeah, I thought I'd maybe come check out this race today. You know. <laughs> Heard y'all were having a yeah. bike race and over here. he's like, psych. All right, y'all have fun. See you in a bit. <laughs> I got to go back to Spain. His teammate was there. Should we yeah, talk about the let's women? Talk about the women. I, I feel like you know by our rule that we talk about the more interesting. Like, this was the best women's race of the year. I feel like it was. <laughs> it was the first time where you were like, I have to watch this entire women's race uh, versus like the you know usually it's on the uh, the other the other foot uh, for so much of this season. Um, but you know, and all it took was Fem Van Empel having a crash and getting a little hurt, I guess. And and possibly also being a little bit sick, right? Sort of that was the other excuse they were putting out there. Yeah, I mean, and she became more of a human. That's uh and it was a I don't know. This is this I feel like this is the first time we've seen her rentals too that's not muddy. And I always get a kick out of the 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 track and then it goes to the right. And then you're at an old ski hill, and I think those two those two things combined together are uh, pretty funny. I don't know. I just I'm, I I was I watched this race and I try to imagine like did they have a lift? Like how do they get to the top of the hill? What what did they I do? I looked back? at that and I I didn't think that there was any infrastructure for a lift. It's not even it's it's like a it's like a ten second descent <laughs> if that if you're on skis maybe three seconds. In the like, woods, that, are we trying to get killed here, or well, is I, it just I'm like assuming? I'm assuming when they, you know, from the time that this was, people were skiing down to it to the time that they realized <laughs> this really isn't worth it. Some some trees have popped up in <laughs> in the area. Yeah. Anyway, I I, th- I think yeah, this was I enjoyed watching this race. Um, Lucinda Brand really taking it to Femme, really, you know bolstering her case for being being part of the big three again 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 was there a are big you just three? jumping right into this all right buddy. what else is there to say like, yeah i mean just <laughs> like you're just pop the top off this one that's, and... that's my segue I, I i we talked about i what big three is there right now how what big three is there right now in women's you, cycle you gotta have because i feel i feel wait we're back wait, to trying wait. to make fetch happen you are trying to make a big three happen 
I don't know. Zach, what, Zach the what rule of thirds, right? Every Three is a magic number. Three is what we do in life. We make patterns as humans. We need the big three. So, Zach, I, I, I agree that within the big three, there's probably, there is a hierarchy and there's one who is one and there's one who is three, but. Well, so fine. Like big three, like, you know, typically we have riders who compete against each other. So Mr. Streak tweet, who of these other people has won a race that Femme Van Empel has been in this year? None. Okay. So there's clearly a uh, big one. There's a big one. There's one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So. Okay. So we, we got Femme. Femme's number one in the big three. Did we ever did we ever come to any sort of agreement that we considered worst brand and Alvarado a big three back in two thousand and eighteen and there are the belts? Or did the did the big three nomenclature come in after that when Pitcock started showing up? I think it was there. And you could pick like, Pitcock is is the catalyst, right? For big three. I think so. Without Pitcock, there's no Big three. We were not talking you can, about we, a big we, three. No, no, we're that. not. We're not talking about that yet. That's a whole nother can of body worms. The, the, but, but I feel like we were definitely talking about those three, right? I mean, and then I, th- I guess Betsima started sneaking in there as well. Look, I, you know what? Like, I, I just the rant. I, you know, this goes back to the statements and, you know, I, kudos to the person who told us to just stop with statements. I'm totally okay with that. But I feel like we're just taking nomenclature that means something else where we're applying it to cycling and we just keep beating it to death. There was one big three. The big three came out when LeBron went to the Miami Heat. That was the big three. Chris Boss signed with them. They joined. They were the super team. They won. We keep trying to apply it. Wait, who? Can we come, who, please come wait, up with a different who, name. Hang on. LeBron, heard of that person. Who was the other part of the big three? Oh, Chris, know, Dwayne Chris Wade. Bosch? Chris Bosch and Dane Wade. Who, who is Chris Bosch? How many championships did he have? I don't know who that guy well, is. Well, I don't know. He won what he won him with the Heat. Okay. All so. right. So you're saying within the big three, there's a hierarchy of, of people. So you've got LeBron, you've got Wade, you've got Bosch on the bottom. I'm applying the same thing to the big I mean, the, the idea that you're like you're trying to like say that I mean LeBron and Dwayne Wade are pretty close. My point is this. I feel like we just keep we find something and we just keep cramming it like the, a situation into it. Can we be a little bit more creative? I mean, we're not like What do you got? In the NBA, they're not like, "Oh, hey, they weren't like, you know, the Phoenix Suns were really fun, right? Back in the the late 2000s, they were like, "These are the Showtime Phoenix Suns." They're not just like going back and recycling, you know, team nicknames and and putting them in there again. Like certain okay, things well, have let meaning. Me, Let's let come me, up with a let new me thing. Expand. Can I can I just jump yeah. in here really quickly, just with a really quick tangent about yesterday and <laughs> the Cleveland Browns? Yes. Did Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco won comeback win for the Cleveland Browns. Do you know what they, they were saying over and over on that broadcast, which just threw me for a loop because I'm like, guys, you're beating the wrong dead horse. They kept saying Joe Flacco is back. Oof. Hang on a second. No. 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 Hang Oof. on a second. <laughs> Oof. Are you saying Joe Flacco is still playing football? Still playing football? I said and, the same and thing. <laughs> arguably. Arguably still elite. Yes. Okay. Okay. And now also back. See, this so is amazing. As, as, as much as we may do this, 
Zach and Michael. We are nowhere near the rest of the sports world. Like we have so far to go. But but I agree. We could we can do a little. I I have a reason. I will say I have this. I, have, I will say. Three, like, and I, I will explain I, it if you let me. I'll bring it up. Well, that's fine. I just want to say that, like, if you've noticed, the whole back thing really hasn't been used very much because that only applied to Lars Vanderhaar. And I've got to come up with a new bit recycled from some other sport, you know, for that. I'm wait, not, like, wait, trying whoa, to, like, keep wait, doing wait. this. Wait, wait, wait. But wasn't, wasn't Lars Vanderhaar also the one that you were trying to figure out if he was elite? Was I? No, Swag. Bodie? Oh, that was Swag. I'm sorry. Swag. You know yeah. what? Yeah. Okay. I got it. The other day, my partner had to ask me, you know what? I don't think, I don't think Lawrence is very elite this year. And I was like, he is not elite at all. That, that we, we can answer that question in one second. No. Okay. Okay. All right. right. I've, you know what? Uh, I'm willing to hear you out. I am a listener. Uh, Hit me with your, what we're doing here. Okay. So last year, you know, the, the, the big three, the men's side came out. We sort of called it the big two and a half. That was a joke about Pitcock. Uh, the big three. So we 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 moved the big three to the women's field. It was it was Fem. It was Puck. It was Shirin Van Anroy. So, but there was only one big three. It was ha- It was half hearted. It was like, yeah, we're trying to take this and apply it here, and it never it never caught on. It didn't lead to the level of like the jokes, right? The 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 two and a half works because like the big three was a thing. So, but the only people that won World Cups were those three names I mentioned. Is that the, the World Can Cup? Can we at least call them the Three Amigos or something? Can we look up the word? Are, you just have a problem with the big Dutch? three? Do you, do you not want to talk about the top three racers? Give me. What? Well, I'm just saying big three means something. Come up with a new name for it. All right. All right, folks. So we can't say the big three. Bulletin rate listeners, readers, viewers, subscribers, let us know. Give us some new triple named trio. Give us something good. Can we do triple threat, or is that just back to basketball too much? I, I don't know. It's got to be organic. All right. You know, I was like, I don't know. For the there's probably like four people out here who follow John Rothstein on Twitter. He's a he does college basketball, and he comes up with nicknames, right? So like different coaches or different teams and coaches have like catchphrases. And he was on a podcast, and the guy was like, "Do you workshop catchphrases? Do you you know do you you sit there?" He's like, "No, I just." When it pops into my head, and if it works, it works. So, I don't know. You can't force it. All right. So, you're trying to say who are the top three women in the field this year? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's pretty obvious. It's Femme. It's it's Alvarado. And the only question I had was, which you brought up earlier, you know, was it Puck or is it Brand? Who Who's filling out that third spot? And, you know, Puck and Brand had a pretty good battle at the end of Namur. Um, but I think after looking at the stats, looking at the numbers, it's abundantly clear that the new soon to be named trio of top riders is prime time. Sorry, is, is femme prime time and brand. I, I'm putting brand. I'm demoting puck out of the podium of top female riders of the season. She's out. That's a, that's a bold statement. I mean, that's a that's a pretty big fall from Grace from where she was last year. This was somebody fighting out for wins every week, fighting out for a world championship. Puck now is the head to head two to two to one. Puck is winning the head to head. 
She is winning. She just won. She is winning the head-to-head. But how many wins does she have? Well, nine. I I don't think she's going to win a race all year. <laughs> exactly. She has no wins. Brand has two. Um, and she still finishes in an average position of two point three versus Brand's two. So, those are my numbers. That's my data. That's how I'm making that that decision. That's what I got. What else you got? Is there anybody else in the picture? Can we, uh, it, could we have four? Could we just like, or does just that just not work? I don't. Who who is who is out there? I mean, th- this goes back to another bit. Sorry to recycle bits, but we talked about ri- like you talk about riders who you think who are going to win. Like, oh, they could win. They have a chance to win. Right. There's no one. But it's, isn't it those four? It's those could four. Win. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, mean, I know Zach has money money on Puck not winning, but but theoretically she she could win. She could. I, I'm losing. I don't know if I would bet on it, but I'm just saying, like, I that that's where the trend is going right now. I mean, especially if like Fem's in a race, she wins. So uh, there's that. Uh, but I mean, I, my point is like that. There's a clearly a hierarchy. Like, there's there's gaps between these riders. Like, you could say last year you could put Wout and Machu, and you didn't have to like qualify it. Like back in the day, you would you could be like, oh, the big two when Vanderpool was beating Wout, you know, eighty to ninety percent of the races in a given season. I think last year uh, they got back to some level of parity, but like. Fem wins if she's in the race, and if Fem isn't in the race and Celine is in the race, Celine wins the race. Uh, and then if Fem and Celine aren't in the race, then it's a good race between Puck and Brand. I mean, I, I just don't. I don't know. It seems more tiered to me than to than grouping is, I guess, ultimately what I'm what I'm getting at. I feel like right there now. are groups within the tiers and tiers within those groups. I, I, there's there's gradients, Zach. Okay. I, I was I was going to ask. Who then is on the top of that hierarchy? Is it Femme or is it Celine? Wait, wait, what? It's Femme. It's all Femme. How many wins does Alvarado have versus Femme this year? Uh, Alvarado is six. This is, the, this is my. Zero. Uh, I guess six. zero. No, 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 not versus not head to head. Six. Oh, right. How many does Fem have? Ten. Okay, that's more. How many does Brand have? Two. How many does Fem have against Celine? Oh, she's crushing her. It's zero to five. That's a good question. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So what what have we established here? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> give us give us the give us the the, the summation <laughs> since this is our race recap of Arentals for the women i love it it's my favorite kind of race recap you want me to give the summation femme yes brand and Ray worst am i reading this right am i in the wrong i'm on the right year okay yeah yeah wow i forgot about that there she goes trying to put herself in the conversation third place yeah, with Denise Betsima right there in fourth place. See, it's it's just we're we're going we're going pre-pandemic on this. Just get Femme out of the picture. Well, I actually want to talk about. Can we talk about the race? Yeah. There's a couple of key points. I mean, we had it was a good last lap battle. You know, Bill, I think you famously made your uh, the world's pick right with the brand on the brand on the run. Uh, I was 
I mean, obviously it was last lap and she was, you know, had spent a lot of time fighting back. But, uh, you know, Brand on the run kind of got toasted on that run up. The the infamous run up coming off of the uh, the the track there, which is like Bodhi said, is such an interesting section where it's the, um, you know, and it, the, the, it was funny because like the lap before, though, she had played it perfectly as she did the thing. You know, Femme was on the front kind of looking around. She did the thing where she oh, yeah. you stand up out of the saddle and you're just waiting and she played it perfectly. It seemed like she was tired. I mean, that's kind of was like my takeaway because, I mean, Femme even looked the wrong way and Brand didn't have enough to to kind of like get around her. But I don't know. I thought that was interesting. It, it put a little dent in the uh, brand on the run branding, as it were, but against Femme Empel, who we remember all the way back to, was that the 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 infamous Dendermonda uh, in 2020? We were like, oh yeah, she's a soccer player. She's good at running. Um, uh, but also, you know, Brand fought back really well, and it comes back to like one of my favorite things uh, to talk about. Like, if you're getting new to cyclocross, don't sleep on being able to take corners fast. Uh, it had a lot of these corners that weren't like 180s. They're the kind that you can carry lots of speed through. And I think Brand showed her kind of like cyclocross experience, really closing a gap twice on Van Empel by just absolutely railing turns. So like, I know, you know, when you start cyclocross, you're like, oh, the barriers or I need to do technical stuff and like go ride in the woods or whatever. But like, don't sleep on being able to just carry flow through corners. And I thought it was really cool to see Brand really put on a clinic uh, in the second half of that race, uh, railing the the flat part of that course. It's also, it is one of, I think, it's one of my my key points for, for setting up a cyclocross course and, and something that I think a lot of organizers get wrong in that you have to find that, fine line when you're setting up your turns to make it an advantage for somebody who has a high speed or technical skills in turning and cornering. Because if you make it too tight, then you put a speed limit on it and everybody goes the same speed. If you if you take too much of the turn out of it, then again everybody's just flying through it. But if you if you find that that sweet spot where if somebody has that skill and if somebody is able to go through there, you know, without breaks or just sort of rail it and have that confidence in their skill and their tire pressure in everything else, then that's an advantage. And we should have course features that highlight people's technical advantages so kudos to that course and that you notice that zach because i i really think that's that's hugely important and something that a lot of times when you look at your local cyclocross course when they're like oh we got to put in these really tight turns that it kind of kills that advantage you know you you have people that can run fast up hills great you give them that advantage but this is another advantage that you you should give people who have that skill that opportunity yeah, and I think it's an opportunity to really turn. I just I remember there was one race where <laughs> I talked to my dad after the race. He's like, that course was missing a second power section. I was like, I agree. And it was like one of those things where, like, as a cross racer, I had to find sections like that to turn it into a quote unquote power section by being able to carry speed through corners or whatever. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's a cool skill, and uh, I I notice it because it's like the only thing I'm good at in cyclocross is is railing stuff through there and. Uh, it's a good skill too if you're on a bike path and someone's going to draft you. Uh, being able to rail corners on a bike path and you don't want them to draft you anymore, you just take your corners really fast and then uh, they're not on your wheel anymore. So uh, I uh, actually raced my cross bike this weekend 
And what? Sorry. No way. Hang on. Sorry. Hang on. Hang on. I raced my gravel bike at a cross race this weekend. Um, and it was great. I had a great time. And the the going fast in corners thing is definitely a skill that I have a little rusty on. Um, this is my second race of the season. One training session. So I'm not quite at Pidcock levels where he can do one training session, a race, and then win his third, his you know second race. But the... I was I got the chance I was had a nice battle with my friend Chris Reed who I started racing cross with 10 years ago and he's had some sort of health issues but he's he's stronger now and he's feeling good and we were racing and I was faster in the straights more power more endurance but he is one of the most technically gifted riders I know and so like we were together for a while and then I was so scared because I knew that he was saving so much energy in the corners and I was just being the terrible, inefficient little cyclocross racer. And it, it was a great, it made for a really good race. And, and like, I don't know, it was, it was cool to sort of have that experience again. I'm like, Oh yeah, I should, I should practice this stuff. Cause like, it is a skill you can kind of lose. Like you, you gotta remember like how much grip do these tires have? Like how fast can I rail that turn? You kind of lose it when you do a bunch of roadie stuff. So Folks, get out there and rip turns. Excellent. I'm glad your season continues. One, one thing I want to mention about Aaron Tall's before we move on to the men's race is that in 2021, this was the event that started Bodie's campaign for David Haverdings as the next big thing in cyclocross because he won the junior race here. And I think what we've learned is that this is David Haverdings' course because <laughs> he won the U23 race as well. So, I mean, this, uh, I, so I, I am going to say to you, Bodie, all is forgiven that you, you jumped on this guy here. We just didn't know. We didn't have the data to know that this is just a place that he raced as well. Did you guys also see that he had like a surgery? He he had he's been battling some sort of injury, I believe. So Haverdeen's he's he's like come up. He's you still there? Are you still there? You you keep your loyalties. Why not? Why not? I feel like yeah. you. I feel like you made this bit up for me, but I will stick to it. I'll stick to Haverdeen's man. <laughs> he's like. He's like trying to I say, pull. go check the go check the tape. Yon, go check the tape where I said Haverdings <laughs> is the next big thing. Look, he's trying you to. But you picked him. What did you picked him for? Like world or something? I think there was, there I think was it was definitely... a preseason episode, and I was like, look, Haverdings was winning everything as a junior. He might come in good this year. It was like a first episode. We had nothing to talk about. But I'm just saying, he needed to get a win for the Lion Squad because he hadn't got a win yet. So there you go, Haverdings. Havering's the hair. Okay. <laughs> now we can talk about Hey, he won Copenberg too. <laughs> See, so you just downplayed him. You he... downplayed a good racer. You should have stuck to your guns. I'm sticking... Well, no, I said I'm going to stick to my guns in this one. Yes, I'm going to Yeah, after you said that I put this on you and that it was a first, first did, of the season and you had nothing else to it. talk I about. It on. I took it in with open arms. Okay. Havering's come on in. He likes Copenberg. He right. likes her rentals. Climbs. There we go. Are we going to talk about Matthew Vanderpool? <laughs> yeah, that guy. Speaking of fast cornering, 
let's let's talk about the baby mullet. Well, I want to go to to Bill because you've been on you've been on Daddy Issue Watch. I feel like the whole time, you know, through consistently with Vanderpump. Daddy Issues. Yeah. Wait, what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, just like uh, Daddy Expectations, the Vanderpool or whatever. Okay, uh, yeah. but you know, and my thing is like. Uh, you know, I think people are like, oh, is he going to keep racing cross or whatever? And there was that interview where he said that he is looking at the seven because I'm like the legacy guy. And I was like, why not just get the seven? And you were kind of like, well, maybe he won't. But it sounds like at least in an interview, he's like, it's within the realm of possibility that he may chase uh, may chase the record. So I just wanted to to kind of put not daddy issue, but the uh, Matthew Vanderpool does his own thing. So where are we at on? Matthew Vanderpool does his own thing after one race here. Yeah, it, it was it was more than I I you I will uh, compare him to Bartleby the Scrivener. I think that's my my yeah, that Matthew is Vanderpool. okay. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, just the um, I I prefer not to. Uh, you know, hey, you could do this thing. I prefer not to. That's that's kind of my the the image I have I have placed on on Matthew Vanderpool. I think it'd be awesome. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe it's marketing, maybe it's PR, maybe it's his family, maybe it's like, uh, maybe it's it's in his heart. It's like cyclocross is what he came up on in, in racing. This is where he got his earliest fame. And so I, th- I think that the way that you phrase that makes me think that it's more of a possibility because where he's like, that would be fun or that would be cool or not like that's something I have to do. And and I think that's more, I I think that's still in play with him. If it's something that intrigues him that he wants to do, then I think that, that, that still follows that it's, it's something he could pursue. And why not? All the guy has to do is show up for a couple races if he wants to and go win worlds. I mean, why not do it? He'll do it. We saw in this race, he is still more than capable, uh, to take charge of the field that's out there. I mean, I, I think we can all agree that Wout may be the guy who's like, yeah, cyclocross was cool. I, I, there's only so much I need to be doing. I have other goals out there. Yeah. Well, in, in part because like, he's never going to beat Vanderpool yeah. at Worlds, So he's just kind of stuck. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I guess I beat this dead horse. I was ranting about beating dead horses oh, and here I am. Really? Are there I mean, bits that this, are uh, interesting still later on? <laughs> stories to be told? Narratives? Can I, I, I mean, yeah, can, I, I just say like, I mean, my bit about it at this point, why not become the greatest cyclocross racer all time? Like no one's going to remember you on the road 30. I mean, you'll, they'll remember you, but like, there's a difference between hey a guy who won some spring classics and was pretty good won worlds lots of guys have won worlds versus like hey you are the best person to ever do this sport and i think all he needs to do is win seven worlds which is very reasonable like bill said he could race he could just show up and race worlds and like achieve that so he could yeah he could mariana vosset but, but the other thing is that i think you're absolutely right because he is truly big fish, small pound. We love cyclocross where we are obsessed with the sport of cyclocross. There are far less of us in the world than people who are obsessed with grand tours and, and, and one day classics and road racing like that, that demographic just dwarfs cyclocross. So, so you're right in that other people have done what he's done in the road world, there's such a rich and long history where here he truly could be the greatest cyclocross racer ever within the next five years. That's, that's more than possible. So I, I, I think, think you're right there, but 
I also truly do not believe he cares about his legacy. He's <laughs> just like, whatever, go out, race bikes. It, with, with also being a super confident, big ego guy. That's the, that's the other weird part that, that works into this. Like, if you ask Matthew Vanderbilt who the best cyclo- cyclist is, I'm sure he's going to put his name near the top, like, in the, in the one spot. And that's fine. I mean, that's, that's kind of what people who win a lot do. Uh, he has two rainbow jerseys right now. I have, I I have mean, a question. Gonna, yeah, I have a question, though. Put that past him? Like. <laughs> I have a question, and maybe we've defined this before. What, how, and I don't necessarily have the answer. I'm actually curious what you guys think. How would you define the greatest cyclocross racer ever? Is it the worlds? Is it just is strictly the amount of worlds? Is it the number of wins? Is it consistency? I, I am curious if he gets I a seven, he, but he's under. I think if he did that, I think he has to do the world numbers. Right. I think he has to do the worlds, and I think with his the other stuff that he's already done, he's already beaten Sven everywhere that streak that he had okay that i i just think stuff like that and and maybe there have been male racers who have had longer streaks i'm not sure that's true and especially even just cumulative like losing one and going on another streak yeah, no I, I think that though that run that he went on plus getting seven or eight world championships definitely meets the criteria of of greatest cyclocross race because like plus cause doing that run when a guy who's won three world championships when a guy who would have seven or eight yeah. world championships but for him was also racing you know and doing it at such a young age doing it beating the last gen the greats of the last generation and then defining his own generation yeah, I mean, it's like he's in the running already. Yeah. Like if he quit today, he's in the running. But just to solidify it, I think if he got that that world's record, then I, I don't I don't know how you argue against it. I don't know who you argue is had a had a greater run in cyclocross. OK, yeah, I think I agree. I think the two I think I guess what two to tie three to take the outright lead. All right. I. I Want to mention the start of this race and just mm-hmm. Vanderpool being back in cyclocross. I guess the nice thing about the rolling UCI points is that he's still on the front row, like even though he hasn't raced yet. So he's like kind of in that eight spot in the corner. And we talked last week about nationals on the men's side. And we were talking about Strohmeyer and Bruner and Funston and that, you know, Everybody else should be on notice because they weren't going to mess around at the start of the race. It was going to be all out cyclocross sprints at the beginning of the race, not at the end. And they were just going for it. And, and that's what you need to do to, wait, to have success in Europe. You need to be in the field. You need to be going like you got to be revved up and ready to go when those lights turn green. His start was insane. Like, it was so strong that he was already, he was able, usually, you know, because you have that turn at the end of the start straight where everybody kind of sits up. He sat up like a full second before everybody else and was able to make that turn, and then they all kind of came in on him. I was just, like, I don't think we, I don't know. It it, it felt like there was no messing around. There was no, like, wow, riding around with the guys and, you know, sort of playing around and being second, third. I know it's completely different conditions for, for his race, but it was just, like, I'm here, nothing's changed. 
everybody line up behind from the start, and it was pretty damn impressive. And, and Zach, I know, like, eventually watching Matthew Vanderpool ride around off the front is not the most exciting thing, but at least for this one time, I think we say this every year, it was pretty darn cool, and it was just, like, an impressive show of force. I mean, look at the... If you want to see a microcosm of where he's at, I think, for me, he looked, in recent years, right... At, a year ago, we're like, is Vanderpool ever going to be good and dominant again? And I think he looks as good as Pete And did healthy, probably, could. right? I think that was probably it, is being healthy. I mean, just look at that. After the run-up, the climb. I It was people playing different sports, like watching Ailey Easterbeat. I was just envisioning, I don't know, it's the, the big buff big buff dog or whatever mm-hmm. and then the whimpering, yep. that meme. And that was like Ailey and the rest of the field. I mean, he absolutely flattened that hill out of the saddle with just an insane level of power and it was just like that was cool to watch that was like cool to appreciate for that hot second because it was so dominant and it lasted like 15 seconds that was like (laughs) the interesting part of that race and and then you know the other the other part about because that's kind of the those are the main features on that course is that when he's coming down that ski hill He's not touching the brakes, you know, and, and getting squirrely and having his foot out, but it doesn't matter. And just like creating gaps on the on the descents is pretty, yeah, just just really really fun to watch him go. It was, I mean, last it was like just to reiterate, reiterate what you were saying, Zach. I, I wrote my note like he just turned the entire field into amateurs, like that one run. I was just like that was it, like and yeah, and like yeah, him going down. It's it's such a you can see the difference in a rider other riders too is like when they go downhill and they're not so much worried about getting that foot in and they're just like i'll just float it down like i don't have to get clipped in i'm okay and yeah it was it was really it was really fun to watch this race and just to kind of see that power zach i kept thinking about his five minute power just absolutely shredding the field and yeah, we talked earlier. He used to do that a little bit later. He said, no, lap one, race one. Here we go. And then there was like 14 guys riding around behind him. I Yeah. I, someone texted me and called it like the lollipop gang or something. And uh, this was before I had seen it. And then look, there's like they're coming off. They're on that section on the running track. And there's just like half the field is riding together. And it was just like so sad because Vanderpool had just absolutely obliterated all the other people who race cyclocross every weekend and week out on a track that, you know, it, it was, you could get stuck behind people. And one of the people that got stuck and looked just like frustrated cause he couldn't like do his little weaving and bobbing in the beginning was, was Pitcock. That's right. Who was, was back. I think he was like 20, 21st in there. It was it, with, without a mechanic, you know, without anything going wrong, like no more, he was just like, just in the back. He, yeah, he, and they they kept showing that clip of him, like, sort of just, like, rolling his eyes, and it was, it was, it's very Pitcockian, that's sort of his attitude, you know, not chuffed, mate, and, um, yeah, and then he, <laughs> and then, and then, and then what happens, like, speaking of these sort of hierarchy riders, at the end, you know, like, he, he pulls it off, and gets second, and he sort of, like, yeah, lays everybody else to rest, like, so here's here's something that may come into play later in our in our discussion. But the one thing that you notice with Tom Pitcock being that far back, this is a non-Belgian guy, but a former world champion and somebody that has definitely 
proven himself and I think more importantly gained respect to the point that the Belgian broadcast team assigned the hero cam to him. They were you would sit on corners and wait. In the beginning of that race you were waiting 15 seconds until Pitcock came through and they would just pan with Pitcock around the corner even though there were still another 30 people behind him didn't matter. It, there was definitely a director in in that <laughs> operator's ear saying wait for Pitcock and then go. So that's, you know, that that's some respect right there. And it turned out to be the right call because eventually he made his way through there and was uh in in a good battle. Should we even talk about this? I think this was the only other exciting really part about the race. He finally caught up and you had uh Vanderhart, Ezerbeet, and Cam Mason up there, and then he was able to hook in with air, and then we had a nice little race for the remaining podium spots. Uh, well, I'll I'll just I'll jump. People like hot takes. I mean, what is the media pit without hot takes? And I think we talked about maybe it was in the bulletin. And I talked about it a little bit when the schedules came out for the uh, big three, two and a half, whatever you want to call them, for our guys. Uh, you know, people are disappointed that Wout's not racing worlds, Pitcock's not racing worlds. And I, I guess I kind of make the point that I felt like last year was kind of like, might be the apex. I think truly that purse period, you know, that world's going to be tough to beat. Uh, I'll just go on a limb and I will say that I don't think Wout is going to beat Matthew more than once all year. I think Vanderpool looked that good. And, you know, like you guys were saying, uh, Wout just kind of seems maybe a little over cyclocross. Maybe it's more of a training thing. I just don't, I don't think this year is going to come remotely close to matching really the last two years of excitement between these two, uh, uh, gentlemen this year. So Michael, you were, you were talking about not wanting those guys to even come back. Was this kind of the precursor of that? Well, I, it's funny because I was thinking about the women's field as well. And I, 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 they come back. They come back, and you see what Vanderpool does to that men's field that we have watched have dynamic races. And you're like, okay, well, that's completely embarrassing. Like, who are these guys? But then you know, then he's not there the next day, and then you have a really good race in Demore with the with the point half with the sort of the the, the sub topper Pidcock, right? And so, I don't know. Like, I have come around to this this schedule this way where the the riders come in and out. It, it kind of changes it up every race and and i'm okay with it and uh i think it's good and they should race i mean what yeah zach i mean like i like wow a lot uh clearly i've moved over to the vanderpool uh side because he, he golfs now but like i don't get as excited seeing like wow in a cross race as i used to and i just because i just I know what he's up against when when vanderpool is there and and but then like if he races without vanderpool like is it gonna? I don't know. Is it gonna be a race? Like, are we gonna have a boring race, or like, will the will someone will we have a situation where Tebow and Wout have a good battle at some race where Pitcock and and and, and Vanderpool are not there? I don't know. Maybe Tebow. Tebow. Wow. There's a. There's a. There's a. I, there's a, a blast name, a name from the past. From the past. <laughs> exactly. Guys, remember when he had a moment? Remember when he was getting the hero cam? I mean, he might still get the hero cam, but man. I, Speaking of so things, I, but that like so you know, that's a great point. this year. I'm just that's what I'm saying. But, it's just so but, dynamic. But I, you know, I think it's a good point of what what Wout, Michu, and even to a lesser extent Pitcock have 
accomplished is that in this world where you can have where we're like this is the next big guy the next big woman they're the next big thing and these guys are just low key like yeah we're good literally all we've been good for a decade you know pickock a little bit younger but like those other guys like yeah we've been good since we were like 17 and we just show up and we're always in the top three we're always on the podium you can always count on us uh, and i think it just speaks to like uh, maybe we yeah i don't know maybe we take it a little for granted but it's just super impressive in a world yeah, I, where not everyone achieves that high level consistently that they've just been the best for like a decade. Yeah. And I, P- Pitcock, I, I thought was impressive in that race to work his way back up to those, to those leaders and, and, and then, you know, get second place. We'll talk about him again for, for Sunday's race. I, I will say that, uh, Cam Mason, great race. And we've seen him on the podiums and he's fifth place in this race, right, right in it the whole way. I I don't think I actually did it during a podcast. I talked about wanting to do it, but I I was I had this troll where I was going to argue that Cam Mason was the best British male cyclist uh, cyclocross racer. Um, <laughs> before I think he did back, and I, I may have, and um, yeah, I, I I don't think I can do that with a straight <laughs> face. That's not <laughs> even even as a troll, Bill. Since they were both racing on Saturday, well, two of the candidates, who is the best cyclocross racer in the world right now? That's a really good question. So we we had Femme, we had Vanderpool. Do we want to wait? Do we want to wait until we get all four of our winners to to declare this? Does from... your bit allow for that to occur, or must? Well, the I mean, bit those are the races. Week? Those, but it's for the week, right? So Sunday's races should count too. No. Oh. Okay. I mean, if you want, yeah. sure. I mean, okay. well, it's. I mean, it, it's it's going to be Pitcock and it's going to be Alvarado, right? So those are your other two kind of in the mix. I am going to say that, without a doubt, as of this, as of right now, today, Matthew Vanderpool is the best cyclocross racer in the world. I concur. Yeah, it's... and I would probably agree. The way he raced, I would probably even agree if even if Femme Van Empel had won that race by thirty seconds and been healthy. It's not. Yeah, I, he just looks so good. He looks so good. It's great. I mean, but that's the thing. That's that's right. And and I don't think I would have said that if he had came back and and done and kind of like struggled or had sat fifth place, you know, in there or whatever. And I think then Femme being hurt, crashing, doing all this stuff, and still winning the race, that definitely would have have swayed me the other way but it was just such a dominant ride i think that he probably raced half that race maybe and then just kind of cooled the jets um yeah it's uh i look forward to 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 seeing him race again which is not something that i think we would say all the time so yeah i i I kind of see where Michael, where you're coming from with wanting everyone else to race but at the same time at least for now <laughs> And maybe this is good that he's not racing 30 races, at least for now. Pretty, pretty stoked to see him back, back in there. Pretty hope, hopefully. I mean, when do we get, I've, I've already, I haven't been following the matrix. When is, when is the first? Well, that is a great question, Bill. That is a wonderful question. I heard it's out there that they're coming to Skeldacross. They're coming to Antwerp and they're not just coming. They're anthropomorphic animal selves are coming. <laughs> this is right. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. All right. Uh, oh, did you not, did you not 
intend that to be the segue. I thought you no, were just. But I, I thought I, you were just yes, teeing yes, that I one. Did. To borrow I did. a Bodie metaphor, you were just putting a big old fat one on the tee and like giving well, me I mean, the the driver right there. <laughs> well, then we're just gonna have to we're gonna have to take a little intermission before we talk about no more. And let's let's talk about this. So when did this thing come out? There this came out y- yesterday. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think this is probably what <laughs> what started Zach's ire against the big three is that the that Flan- the Flanders Flanders and the UCI World Cup have embraced this wholeheartedly. I don't know if they were doing this last year. I think maybe they were, but this is like they are full on the big three this year, and and they they put out this this poster, which um. It's a nice looking poster, but they have now uh, given the big three each uh, animal um, counterpart. So we got Wout Van Art, who is strong as a rhino. We got Matthew Vanderbilt, who is deadly, deadly as a lion. And I don't know. See, I think Vanderpool isn't like his drink powder. Isn't there like an, a lion on that thing? That gold stuff. I feel like his like his uh, energy drink thing has a has a lion. I mean, he has an energy anyways. drink. I mean, I mean, Wout has a bull. Yeah, no, it's a. I'll, I'll look for it anyway. Uh, and, and then Pitcock is fast as a cheetah, so he gets fast. So Pitcock gets fast. Vanderpool gets deadly, and Wout gets strong. I kind of agree with those descriptors in terms of their strengths, because I think Wout is extremely strong. We see him do time trials. It takes a lot of strength. He can win in various types of races. I do think that you can't really call Pidcock strong, right? He's a... Right, so this this is my question. If we're we're if we're in that marketing meeting, if we are if we're the firm hired to to do this, and we have my whiteboard back up there, and we're 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 brainstorming ideas, are there better animals to match these riders? I I feel like there probably is. So I just I had to Google right because I. I don't know if this is – you don't necessarily think about a rhino versus a lion. So I had to Google. <laughs> Who's going to win? Who will win? A rhino or a lion? And the consensus on the internet is that the rhino wins every time, which is interesting because, you know, wow, won the season series last year, Lost Worlds. But we're saying that we feel like already we need to tear that down. We should have done that Googling because we don't think wow is going to be winning uh, quite as much as he did last year. Uh, I do think the animal. I do. I, I do think they put some thought into it. This was like I was like I can see that. Like they acknowledge that Wout is really strong. They acknowledge that Vanderpool you... is the king of the jungle. Like Pitcock, we got to give him something. That, right. You know, is really Pitcock fast. is like, like we got to give the... him something because we he's like it's like. But he's... is his thing fast? He's like I get, you feel like Pitcock is he a little, faster than he's like a little squirrel, you know? That's what Pitcock. That's exactly what I was yeah. gonna say. He's squirrely. He is like squirrel is the best thing for Pitcock. Pitcock is a squirrel. I love it, like a little British okay. squirrel. Wow, a squirrel. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, can squirrels we at least, are. 
Can yeah. we at least give them this thing? So at the University of Illinois, right, we had a really nice quad. It's like really one of the better quads, I think, among universities in the country. Not much else to write home about. But there were squirrels on the quad, and they were nasty. And we called them quad squirrels. And to the point that I, I was on a broomball team once called the quad squirrels. So can we at least, like, say that he's, like, kind of like a quad squirrel? Like some sort of fighty, feisty kind of sure. bitey yeah, kind of squirrel? Yeah, like, he's four okay. of them right. together. Yeah, he's, he's larger than the big three. He's a quad squirrel. Four Gold. Four Gold is the sports nutrition drink that I think that uh, Vanderpool has some sort of financial interest in. It's definitely it's definitely uh, sponsors this. Big old lion on the logo. Okay. Wow, that looks like a four... Wait, I just Googled Four Gold and I got a Four Loco. So... Yeah, you got a, just the number four and then gold. I sent you all in the chat. I, I, I sent a picture of him downing some some four gold so i mean I, i'm sure there were consultations that occurred well, then. i think that i think there's been a payoff here i want an hey, investigation well, into this marketing so then why isn't wow a bull why isn't because like he's strong like bull strong like bull because red bull didn't pay him enough red, red bull like, didn't get in there yeah okay. they didn't pay him they should have paid him off they, had, they like, would have to pay for know, two they, athletes so they were like no 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 no, no we don't want to pay her big talk either Look, we can put, you know what? I don't hate this marketing. I looked at this and I was like, that's a cool poster. And I read the descriptions and I was like, at least you're talking about the right sport and you're not wrong. It wasn't like, you know, like, wow, is come up with some random animal. I don't, I don't even know like what he is. You know what I mean? Like they did. Okay. They did. Okay. Okay. But you, and uh, but you came down with lion beating rhino. Well, but like the in the real says? world, no rhinos. Yeah. Rhinos, rhino, dominant. rhino, yeah. rhino. How's the lion? It's got that okay. thick, 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 you know, All thick right. skin and stuff. The lion's probably like, wow, you know, like <laughs> trying to like whatever with its claws, and the rhino's just like, I have like eight inches of like body armor on, <laughs> and the cheetah just runs away. Okay. Basically, all right. Hey, one one last question. I, I know we got to move on into more, but um, <laughs> oh my god. Who? Okay, we'll do. It. Yeah, I think I think that was actually the the Nemora podium. I, I, we need we we need we need to talk about beer drinking at some point here. Oh, great! Uh, puck puck versus oh. uh, Pidcock. Yeah, that's that's definitely a, a, definitely a topic that we need to we need to touch on. But 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 we're also we're also. Um, Oh, look at that! We're almost to an hour. We haven't even we haven't even hit the Citadel yet. So uh, let's do that now. World Cup. Uh, okay, Zach, if we're talking about the more interesting race first, what are we talking about? Uh, probably the men. It was pretty... Pickock, to his credit, did us all a favor by having a terrible start. He crashed or something. He had a mechanical. No, no, no. He had a mechanical. Uh, so he did his part making things interesting because, again, he had to fight back into the game. This is his thing. Like... You know, Pitcock is, we've seen it in mountain biking. We see it in cyclocross. If there are a million dudes who need to be passed, Pitcock will pass those one million dudes. Uh, and he did. You know, he eventually got back in the game. And I feel like, I, so, so if you're Pim Ronhar, right? Riding a good race, you're out there. What are you thinking? Because you know, right? We've all had that where the guy who's better than you or the woman who's better than you has a mechanical oh, early it. in the race. You know they're coming back. 
you know they're coming back. Like, so what's going through Pim Ronhar's head? Pim Ronhar is a nut that fell out of the quad tree and he's just like, oh my God, if I can just roll down these steps a little bit farther before the quad scroll gets to me. Pim, yeah, you're right, Zach. Pim Ronhar is like, he's like, I just got to keep it together. and But he's got the fear. He's hearing the footsteps. But didn't we already see this movie? Yes. I mean, isn't this Ailey Ezerby tracking him down at Flammaville? And then, and then he explodes and gets third? I thought that he actually held it together better on this course with Pitcock behind him than his total just kind of like flailing, oh my God, Ailey's behind me and not being able to ride his bike anymore for a couple minutes. Progress. It's sport is a process of learning. He see uh, and, and he, he crossed the line and he seemed happy with that result yes. as opposed to okay. Flamin Flamaville where he was like, I blew this. So there I think also is like, is that a is that a a a commentary on who was behind him? Like, of course Pidcock's gonna beat me. He's part of the big three. He's a cheetah. Uh <laughs> so that was my 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 question to you guys. But with Ailey, he's like I screwed this yeah. up. I could have won this race. Do you? So that was my question. Was he, was he taking a bow or was he bowing to Pidcock? What was what was Pim doing when he came across the line? I I that's a great question. I my take on it was it was more of a we're not worthy acknowledgement of of Pitcock. Okay, his performance. That was my take of it. That's more sportsmanlike for sure. To the, as opposed to bow like taking a bow for getting second. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I, I truly believe like, hey, nice job, my man. Well, I think if there's one part of this course that really highlights your point, Bill, uh, off camber watch. I think the off camber, the most oft talked about off camber, uh, again, to like harken back to me not recycling bits. I felt like the off camber was back. I was about to say, I was about to say, I'm going to bite my tongue by not saying that the off camber is back. (laughs) Oh my God. Are we talking about something again? Do do things keep recurring? Absolutely. Zach goes on a rant and Zach embarrasses himself with hypocrisy for the rest of the show. That's how this (laughs) works. I'm willing to acknowledge it. Okay. Bill, talk to us about the off camber. Why was it back? Like, why was it better? You could just, it was better. It was so much better, but why? I I need to go look at this more closely, but I, I think that last year they had moved it higher. I think purposefully to let the lower, more dynamic part of that hill to grow back in and to recover. And if, I, if you go to the X's and O's, you can see, I talk a lot about that. I talk about how that's actually, there are mountain bike trails through there. One of them is, you know, right down the the best line of that i think they tried to move that so it was able to not be as easy as it had become just from from being worn out and those 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 trails just being so defined that it was easy to just fly through and it looked like it it looked like it was much grassier it looked like it had not been ridden as much and that those those shelves had kind of disappeared and they weren't as distinct as as they had become and i think that that's what that's what makes it that's what you want that's that like you know you are trying to pedal as far as you possibly can and then when you aren't able to pedal you want to be able to kick push but it is like i can only imagine how just like 
nerve wracking it is to like, I need to stay high. Like that's the whole goal. You have to stay high. Once you start slipping, once gravity takes over, once you start going to those, those lower shells of that, of that off camber, it's just like all over. I mean, then you're like running into stakes and just, uh, just taking time. Or if you get off of your rhythm, if you get off of your half pedal sort of rhythm, then you can lose time. You can lose 20 seconds going across there if you're not smooth, which is which just makes it such a marquee feature. And Pimp had it dialed because also the exit, if you were still on the bike, you could carry, you could, you were still on the bike. You know, we saw like Pitcock had to bail later in the race. And I, actually I was thinking that if Pitcock wasn't able, if, if that came down to a last lap, like Ronhart kind of seemed like he had the advantage because he was definitely riding that better. And then when Pitcock goes all in on his move, then he rides it better. It was like all of a sudden, like he figured it out. So it was, um, but Pim Ronhart was absolutely owning Pitcock on that. And I was like, oh man, I don't know. Like, I mean, you know, Ronhart's going to get a gap. Like if they come to that feature at the end of the race and then, you know, it even happened when Pitcock was getting back on his wheel, Ronhart again opened up an, a gap that Pitcock had to close because Pitcock was struggling with it. So uh, he figured it out too. Seems like eventually he figured it out. And maybe that's like one of those things where like cornering and technical stuff, but like that's that's like a cyclocross skill, you know? Like you don't do that in mountain biking or road or anywhere else. That is like yeah. a quintessential cyclocross skill. And so maybe that's an example where Ron Hart racing all year has some of those, I don't know, Right, like those moments where things that are like uniquely cyclocross pop up, and he was a little bit better. Well, if we go, yeah, I, I think the best example of that is that is something that Fem Van Empel is a master of doing that, riding, tripoding across things, able to balance, able to ride off cambers. And we saw doesn't really translate to mountain biking, right? I mean, this is she is the best in the world on many weeks at racing cyclocross and a, a, a master of the sport when it, when it came to mountain biking, those skills just didn't translate where I think Puck has more mountain bikey type technical skills that she was able to apply and then, you know, use the power that both of them have to, to, to win these races. So I think that's, that's really why we don't see as much crossover because I think you're absolutely right, Zach, that those skills are completely different and they, they, the balance and all that kind of stuff in bike handling translates, but it's those specific cyclocross skills that are specifically for cyclocross. I think watching Nemur is to, to take what you guys both said reminds me of, of how cool cyclocross is because of these very specific skills you have to do on this very silly specific bike, you know, and just because it has so many like, you know, downhill off camber to pavement turns. Like, exactly. It's not a mountain bike. That's not, that's not crit racing. Like that's just the silliest thing ever. And it's watching the, the, both these races, the men's and the women's, because Alvarado was riding phenomenal uh, on Sunday as well. Just really, I was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I love cyclocross so much because this unique set of skills just comes out in full force. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, I think for me, Namur is in my top three favorite races, but it's not a guarantee that it's a good race. In fact, it's a very hilly course that often isn't a good race in the end because there's so much climbing. But I just get so stoked for this race because it's such a unique venue. It is so cyclocross, like the climbing, that cobbled climb, the off camber, like that steep run up, the year that they made the steep run up, almost a death trap on the way down, the year that they put the stairs in the stand back. I miss them. Oh, I miss the stairs. I, I was thinking I want the stair, the downhill stairs back. Uh, but I just get so stoked about watching Namur because it, and it, it, I don't know, it's just such an amazing thing. Like Bodhi, you were saying, it is just pure cyclocross ridiculousness and a celebration of just how absurd this sport can be in all of its beauty. Yeah. Even that there's the kind of uphill power climb that does the 180 and goes back down that you think is like, well, this is an innocuous part of it that gets rutted. And so many people get it wrong. I know like, and they're losing time at the top of that. It, it just makes these these great riders look amateurish again. And it, yeah, Namor definitely is has such. You see that you see that you see highlights, and you're like, that's Namor. You, you you know, and they can change little things, but they they keep those those main features in it. And it's uh, yeah, it did not disappoint even even to the to the start. I, you know, I, I sort of floated this. I don't, I don't know if we want to do it or we can save it. I was just thinking about the start of, of Namor just coming up on the cobbles, the cobbles turn right. And, and, but they just keep straight up to the dirt, up to the, up to that climb. And I think it's like one of the best starts in cyclocross because there's definitely a penalty to be paid. If you're, if you're not at the front, you know, we've seen before where they, they have the, the, the planks, the wooden planks over the stairs, and we've seen where it just comes to a complete stop at the at the start of of Namor, and it's just it's a vicious climb, and it's it's a, it's the type of thing that I don't know. I was seeing that, and I was like, it just gets me stoked to watch that race from the beginning because it's such an epic one. You get those cameras on top of the citadel looking down on it, so you get that top down view. So that that yeah, they they have that race dialed. That's a that's that's got to be an all timer. So just speaking of, of the course in Namur and Bill, we were talking about this in the green room and um, we've talked about drone cam, POV drone cam, FPV drone cam in, in the broadcast. And it we were saying how it really worked out at Namur specifically because the way in which they used it was that sort of got to the top in a downhill, almost Burmese section. And it was following Pidcock and that was where he made his his move and the what second to last lap or last lap but it was the it was a perfect use of that because you got to see that feature in a really unique way that you could only see by the FPV drone and that was like yeah like thumbs up to to the the crew for doing that like that it was really well done yeah i think you know if if you don't know there's two different types of drones there's just going to be your classic drone that you just sort of throw up in the air. It's one that we complain about a lot that that has now taken over a lot of coverage because it's cheaper and you can just cover a lot of uh, land with that. But that's always going to be a top-down shot. It's always going to be pretty high up there so you're not seeing a lot of detail. And then you have these FPV drones which started as these racing drones where the guys are 
the, the operators are, are wearing goggles and you're basically seeing what the drone's seeing. So you're, you're basically the pilot of this drone like you're inside of it and they are super maneuverable and you can go and you can follow in there and thankfully the UCI uh, allows us to use those now and to get that that footage. And when it first came out, I think it was probably what, like three, four years ago. And it was a following brand, I think around. And we were like, this is amazing. This is going to be super cool. And that was kind of this test case. Look back on that footage. Now, I don't know how impressive that was, but it was, it was footage and it was awesome. And then that same year, they started to incorporate that technology in downhill races. And that was mind blowing. Like the Red Bull footage was using these FPV drones and flying like right on the side of these downhills on these just gnarly courses and getting these perspective of these downhill courses that you really didn't get because it was just dynamic and movement and, and you could see how just nuts it was to race that. And I was like, that's super cool too. But then when it came back to cross, it seemed like they were finding the safest kind of alley where there weren't any fans and it was just sort of a straight shot through woods or whatever. And it's like, we're just going to follow the riders through there. And after a while, it just kind of became a little lame. Like it was, it's, it's not that exciting. It was usually just a leader and you're just seeing their butt sort of flying through there. So, yeah. So when I saw this from Namor, where you're actually getting this dynamic part of the course, these turns and these off cameras and stuff, and you have the FPV drone there, I was like, that's amazing. That's, that's where this technology can be used. That's not using it as a crutch. That's using it as a, a creative choice that, really looks cool and helps us gain better perspective of what it is, is to race that race. So yeah, as much as we, you know, crap on (laughs) some of the stuff that's going on with broadcast. Yeah. It's worthwhile shouting that out that, that a awesome operator, kudos, kudos to whoever was uh, running that drone and just a really sweet footage for this race. Uh, Anything else worth talking about on this? I mean, we didn't really, I mean, Pitcock again, you know, not the he's still starting pretty far back there, and then he had was it a mechanical? Did he have a mechanical or did he, he dropped his chain? Um, yeah, an off camera. He had a flat too. He even had he had a but that was once he was off the yeah, front. Yeah, right. It was like <clears throat> the luckiest, <laughs> the luckiest, the only location that you want to get a flat tire uh, at Namur. When we're talking about you know talking about Wout having a pretty clean race once he got to the front, we're talking about a Vanderpool just sort of going off the front and n- never looking back. Uh, Pitcock has been working. You know, he had, he had to work for his, his, his win even. And, um, so I, I think that's just further proof that he's still, if not Zach in the top two, he's definitely, you know, if, if those guys are the toppers and he's the, if he's the, 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 the middler there in second, then there's special, there's a, a, a third level that's everybody else. I like the big two and a half. And I, I mean, I'll say this is, I think I do this every year at this point. Uh, I think that there's so many people in the cycling world who are like, oh, Pitcock, you were made out to be this big deal. And look at you. You're not that great. Whatever. You know, you're not mature. Wow. Like, I, the dude's still pretty good. Like, he's still the best mountain biker on the men's side on the face of the planet right now. Uh, he's still better than every other person that races cyclocross. Like if he's on the, fr- I mean, right. He's not on the front row. He had a mechanical. He's still, once he got to Ronhart, like he beat him. He also dropped everyone else in the field toward like these other riders and he still can win big races on the road. He's won some marks. So like, 
yeah, he's not going to be what matter Wachu, but matter Wachu. Wow, Machu. I've been saying their names too many times. But you know what? The dude's pretty good. He is quite the feisty squirrel. Uh, and I still enjoy watching him. I, I don't know. I actually enjoy the Pitters passes a lot of guys. But at the same time, like, he's got some Palmares that, like, third best cyclocross racer with two generational talents, best mountain biker, and pretty good on the road. How many other guys are doing that? How many other men or women are doing that? Not very many. Yeah, and again, and we could talk about, you know, it's th- this is always always comes with with some um hesitation saying he's only 24 because of course the the comeback to that is well, Wout and Matthew were younger when they were doing more than he's doing now, but that aside, he's still only 24. You know, I talked about Cam Mason before. Cam Mason's only a year younger than him. Uh, you know, there, there are these guys out here that you're sitting like, oh, they're going to be good racers, and, and they will be. You know, the Ryan Camps of the world, the Niels Vandeputtas of the world, they're all basically Tom Pitcock's age. So it's still, you know, pretty darn cool what he's doing. And yes, I guess we can fault him for not uh, being at the same level week in and week out of two of the greatest cyclists ever. Still got a rainbow stripe jersey, one. though. Yeah, he certainly does. Certainly does. Uh, anything else we want to talk about in this men's race? Uh, just as quickly, they were doing uh, a graphic that popped up on the screen. I think the bulletin people were pointing this out. Uh, 88 stops in the pit. I guess they were also timing people in the pit. Um, new a new little the F F one is ization of uh, of cyclocross. Eh? Yeah, thought that was that was kind of interesting. I saw also fans running. So we this is what we get. We get the more fans showing up. We get the the roar is a bit louder. Um, I think that's just kind of cool to see whenever that happens there. So for the elite women's race, and you know, prime time obviously is going super good right now and racing really well. And you know, this harkens back to. To, to kind of what Bodie was getting at, at the beginning. I want to do a vibe check before we talk about the women's race. So uh, this year, I think that uh, Alvarado, you know, I guess we even discussed, you know, is she back? And uh, we did it on the podcast. We did it very informally. So no super formal proclamations. It was a, you know, like, like dusting of talking, dusting off that, uh, that trope. Uh, so four to one. Uh, but just kind of curious, I, was just, I found this interesting. What do you think the uh, – what's the split all time between primetime and brand uh, racing? You know, because we, we had the pandemic where they were, like, just duking it out and going at each other and stuff. And um, all time, all time uh, between these two riders. I want to say it's, like, 50-50. That would be my guess. That's the vibe, right? For sure. I'm going to say 60-40 brand. Uh, it's 73 for brand, 37 for Alvarado. So it's it's like seven. I mean, is that like, that's like 70-30 almost? A little under, like 65-35? Um, I, I just thought that, I found that interesting. I was with Bodie. I thought it would be like much closer to like 50-50. I just feel like brand's been more consistent longer. Yeah. That's true, because uh, Alvarado had some dark years, and then she was younger while Brand was, you know, doing really well before. So, okay. Yeah, so they've been, like, fairly even. I think Brand kind of racked up a little bit of an advantage earlier on. But really, the coup de grace 
is the dark year, 21, 22. So the year after the pandemic, 22 to zero for brand. So that's really kind of where that that margin comes. I think take that year out and they're pretty, you know, much closer uh, to one another is kind of like, as the vibes would suggest. Well, I think that goes, what we're seeing with Alvarado this year, similar to her teammate, which we talked about, uh, Vanderpool, is that I think she's healthy. I think that this is the first year that, in a long time, that we are seeing a healthy Alvarado, and we're kind of seeing, again, she ain't old. She's 25 years old, and I think that she's was, you know, is finally, finally, where she was a couple of years ago and still it's not like she's peaked and is on the decline. I think she can still grow as a racer. So I, I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of cool. I think it's, it's, I hope that this progression continues and she's up there fighting with, with Puck and, and Femme in these, in these races. Puck was in this race. Should we we talk about the uh, the foibles of uh, Puck Peterson and Namor? <laughs> Not a clean race, which is interesting because I feel like this is the kind of court, right? So, like <laughs> back in the day, this was the mountain bikester. I would always crack up at that, but right, like the Evie Richards, the Yolanda Neffs, with uh, Ava Lechner raced really well here. So, in the back in the day, you'd be like, "Oh, this is Puck's chance to come back and and you know regain her momentum," and it didn't she didn't i mean she had a fight pretty hard just to catch back on to to brand at the end end of this race and they had a pretty good duel you know to 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 finish it off yeah so i mean like she had a mechanical early on she got back in it and if i remember correctly brand actually got a gap on her again and then she had to kind of fight back i don't remember the specifics of it but um, yeah, I got probably not the kind of day that she wanted, although she was in a pretty deep hole, uh, from having to, you know, dropping her chain at the, uh, beginning of the race, which was kind of like the, the, the order of the day. I mean, right. Cause I think Pickcock suffered a similar fate and had to put his chain back on. So I remember thinking that that was like a similar thing that occurred in both of these races. Uh, but it also just kind of shows where Pickcock was able to come back and ultimately win. Uh, Peterson was not, I mean, I guess she still got up to second not bad, but not all the way to the front. But at the same time, Alvarado was going really good right now. And she kind of took control of that race uh, from early on, really by attacking the downhills. It was cool to see that she went to the front uh, and you saw the gap in skills between everyone else. Uh, I think it was like, poor was it poor Sarah Casasola might have been on the front and primetime went around and just like absolutely obliterated the descent and basically got a winning gap. So uh, it was super impressive to see her ride that way and to really feel confident to, to rail everything and show, cause she's a pretty good mountain biker too. Like she said some decent mountain biking results to remind us like, Hey, I'm really strong. I'm also really good at handling my bike and I'm doing really good things. Uh, and Bodie, what's, I, there's not really an OPP watch, but what's her OPP for the season? Primetime? Yeah. 100%. 100%. She's chasing. There's yeah. four riders. These are the riders you're talking about. Ooh. Four riders that have the 100% OPP, Femme, uh, Primetime, uh, Brand, and Puck. So. Man and Backer finished 13th. Is Man and Backer an ice and snow specialist? 
Is that a is that a house in Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> I just find it. Well, I no, I, I I think the 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 more interesting thing with her is she's a super powerful racer. She got first at Valdis Hole and she got fifth at Dendermonda. Yeah, there's there's certainly some data points that can be mapped out there. You look at her other world cups like fifteenth, twelfth, thirteenth, you know, eighteenth. Like I just I just found I, I found that kind of interesting because it's like yeah okay she's had a good race let's see what she does with that and as far as the World Cups goes I think she's she's kind of back to back to status quo where she had been yeah she's uh, she actually like Namur oh oh she you know who she is she's the new Sonic Hunt as in Sonic Hunt finishing the top ten at Namur. <laughs> That's who Manabacher is. (laughs) Oh. I mean, 17, 14, 12, 30, 31, 49, including um, U23 races. I'm going to go out on a limb and just say that uh, this this is not Manabacher's course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other other names, I just uh, just... I was just looking down the results race, you know, Sheeran Van Anroy, I think we're still kind of waiting, right? We're still sort of in a, in a holding pattern to see, see what she's going to do. And, uh, similarly, uh, Blanca Vosh. Wow. I feel I like we forgot she was even there. Whoa. Right. And she, she, I feel like she's, she's had, uh, some breakout years at, at Namor, if I'm not mistaken yeah she got third um last year uh so my fear is with both of them is that they're just gonna say this isn't worth it and just like concentrate on the road and be done with cyclocross i kind of feel that way with with shireen i i i don't know i mean like unless something flips or when she comes out and says something was going on like just the the road season she had was so good and just her coming back to cross and it, it yeah it doesn't look it doesn't look good like the spark is not there she's not feeling it um i don't know i could be wrong but i don't think she's gonna be close to get a win at all this season okay anything else we want to talk about with no more rest in peace gcn plus yeah oh, my gosh yeah yeah hbo max slash bleacher report add-on oh come on come on bleacher report what and possibly not race replays that's i mean no re rate come on yeah it's yeah it's it's unfortunate i think that flow may be picking up more stuff you know what it sucks that like flow which was the worst one of them is going to end like they're going to come up on top in the end and somehow yeah. like we're all going to become flow subscribers. I, mean, I subscribed <laughs> and I guess it's just like, well, at this point I have to, yeah, you have to support it because if that goes away, then yeah. I don't, I don't know what we do. I and mean, hope that they keep putting the races on YouTube, I guess. Um, yeah. On that dour note, <laughs> <laughs> we can end things. We were we were gonna do. We had another bid for our uh, um, big three, but I think we can save that until next time. We can also maybe we're we're, we're starting to get a little little catalog of uh, emails uh, that we can talk about. Maybe we can do that next time 
And um, also, if I have not responded to your email, I apologize. I will I will get to that soon. Um, all right. Because there's think, definitely going to be a lot of time during curse period podcasting to, to get to this I basically stuff. am now. I am now to do this before uh, heading back to heading back to Belgium for for some cursed period action. But yeah, no, this was good. Uh, so we will be back next week to do this again. In the meantime, if you want to add to that email queue that I have. I, I don't feel like we have it, – it's kind of funny where the emails go to. You can uh, – uh, feedback at cxers.com. That seems to be a popular one. That that works perfectly fine. You can also do cxersbulletin at gmail.com. Uh, that one goes to both Zach and I. And then, um, yeah, you can just uh, email Bodie, I guess. Yeah, you can email me <laughs> or just email distro. and uh, pick up a shirt. There, that's not a yeah, – I guess it maybe a contact page there. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like we're, you know what, we're kind of missing. I, I, I guess maybe that's a slow ride thing to have the great emails. I don't know. I just feel like we get a lot of DMs where it's like, you know, stuff dropped in the DM and then like we totally just use it as content for that's the true. pod. But I want someone to come up like I want some good screeds that we can just well, I, read and react I think to. That, I think that you have to give a prompt. They're very good at giving prompts, you know, uh, send us your pain caves, whatever. Uh, uh, so. Okay. Well, I think also we do. There is a really good community on the CX Harris Bolton Slack, and there's a lot of great Agreed. discussion there. So I thank you guys who like who are constantly like pointing out cool, cool gifts or cool facts and stats. Like I, I love it. I read it all. I try to like get in there and, and chat when I can, and but I, I do enjoy it. So like. Yeah, Slow Ride gets the emails. We have the Bulletin Slack community that's that's pretty strong, and I, I, I actually love it to death. So I, I know that, yeah. like, with your travel, like, recording the podcast might be a little bit harder during the curse period. So I'm going to, like, you know, put some of my – I'm going to give my – drop my hot takes in the in the Slack channel. Yeah, I've been get, jumping in there, too, especially since the U.S. season ended. It's kind of – it's it's been a nice uh, – for the for the race the race threads that start just sort of live it's 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 taken the place of twitter yes for me, which is good indeed i can i can sort of give my dumb jokes in the bulletin and that i would have previously done on twitter i was never on x so i don't have to call it that and on that we'll see you next time